Happy Wednesday afternoon, Mark Dunnigan. And it is a glorious Wednesday afternoon. The sun is at its zenith, and we're full of golden glow. Mm-hmm. Yes, this time of night, I love to do a stretch outside on the lanai while the sun is got about 20 minutes left before it goes down. Super great. And you know what the thing is about Florida, Mark? No. What it's, is the thing about Florida? It just seems like there's always something to do. Like if any, at any given moment, especially in the winter, between Florida College and the events calendar and all the farmer's markets, I mean, it is a party boat. And also, when we were up in Maine, we learned there that, boy, come mid-October, all the owners of the ice cream parlors and the lobster pounds, they're closing up, uh-huh. and they're heading to Florida. Absolutely. Now we see why. <laughs> so we got an invitation to go see a concert this past weekend, Mark, and sh- I feel like we should probably confess how we went into that concert, because... How do you usually feel when you get an invitation to go hear a choir? Yes, um, (laughs) I didn't have the highest expectations. Me neither. Like, I definitely, from time to time, we would get invited um, when we lived somewhere else to go hear a barbershop, and that is like purgatory for me. I'm sorry. Mm Mm-hmm. If I believed in purgatory, I feel like Barbershop might be involved in that. And so anyway, basically the only concerts, like choir concerts that you and I have ever gone to have been the ones that, you know, when our daughter was in school or, you know, little children's choir. So it's just kind of like you're there to be a good parent. I mean, maybe other people really enjoy that, but I'm just there because it's the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. You put <laughs> so, in your time. We're getting ready. There's two people that are going to sing that night that we love. And so the name of this choir is Concordia Sacra. Yeah. Concordia Sacra. I think that's how you pronounce it. And so we're kind of joking like, man, I wish John Elliott played the electric guitar and and Ryan Billington was on the drums. Like that, we'd be on board for that. So we show up barely on time. And so we kind of race up front where we see the rest of John's family. So we're going to sit right up there in the front row. Then almost immediately the choir comes in. Now this is going to be live recorded with us in the audience. These guys have been around for a long time. You have to try out to be in this choir and just some outstanding singers. And they just kind of start lining up like, what, three feet from our face? Oops. Yeah, if that. Yeah. (laughs) Oops. We find out later that from John after the concert that they had been instructed to explode in a sound that would pin the audience to the back wall. Yes. I feel like that happened. It was epic. Absolutely. In fact, I immediately closed my eyes to take it all in without distraction. Yeah, I felt like God had gifted me the experience of being caught up into the third heaven, Mark Dunnigan. I mean, (laughs) that's the closest thing to hearing myriads of angels that I think I will ever encounter this side of eternity. Chills, goosebumps, and I was a good girl. I did not break down and do the crybaby. So... I was very strong. I held it together. But man, that was so good. That was so good. And and I mean, within the first minute, I'm like, oh, we got to catch this every year. So I repent. This is my confession. And now I know. Now I know. My eyes have been open to outstanding choir music. 
All right, so here comes 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 1. Therefore, when we could endure it no longer, we thought it best to be left behind in Athens alone. And we sent Timothy, our brother and God's fellow worker in the gospel of Christ, to strengthen and encourage you as to your faith, so that no one would be disturbed by these afflictions. For you yourselves know that we have been destined for this. For indeed, when we were with you, we kept telling you in advance that we were going to suffer affliction and so it came to pass as you know for this reason when I could endure it no longer I also sent to find out about your faith for fear that the tempter might have tempted you and that our labor would be in vain but now that Timothy has come to us from you and has brought us good news of your faith and love and that you always think kindly of us longing to see us just as we also long to see you For this reason, brethren, in all of our distress and affliction, we were comforted about you through your faith. For now we really live if you stand firm in the Lord. For what thanks can we render to God for you in return for all the joy with which we rejoice before our God on your account? As we night and day keep praying most earnestly that we may see your face and may complete what is lacking in your faith. Now may our God and Father himself and Jesus our Lord direct our way to you, and may the Lord cause you to increase and abound in love for one another and for all people, just as we also do for you, so that he may establish your hearts without blame in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. So this chapter with the therefore continues, you might say, Paul's defense of chapter 2 of where the enemies were saying, well, he doesn't care about you, he's not coming back, and Paul ended that chapter with, I tried to, but Satan hindered me. And so this chapter is going to pick up where, well, finally Paul just says, i got to send Timothy, Mm. which was a sacrifice for Paul. Oh, yeah. Timothy was really useful, but Mm -hmm. I'm going to send Timothy, I'm going to be left alone, and Mm -hmm. being alone in Athens was not an easy thing with Uh all the idolatry. But then the news from Timothy comes back of, hey, they haven't been led astray, and, and they're hanging in there, and they're faithful, and they love you too, right? Yeah. And so Paul then talks about how he still longs for them personally. And then the chapter ends with this prayer and fervent wish. Yeah. What a great example of Philippians 2, 3 through 4. Like Paul's loss with Timothy's absence is Thessalonica's gain. There it says in Philippians 2, 3 through 4, with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others, unquote. So he really lived that out. He pinned those words to the church in Philippi and lived them out by the sacrifice of sending Timothy to help out the Thessalonians. So while Satan had a way of preventing Paul from going, Satan can't stop Timothy from going, which is kind of interesting. That is. So after leaving in the book of Acts, chapter 17, after leaving Thessalonica, Paul, Silas, and eventually Timothy are found at Berea. And then Silas and Timothy remain there, and Paul is sent on to Athens. And from this letter, it looks like that at least Timothy was able to reach Paul in Athens but is soon sent back to the Thessalonians, chapter 3, verse 1. And then from Acts chapter 18, where Paul is at Corinth now, we learn that Timothy and Silas, all three of them, are back together again. 
And I like the word there forbear, when we can no longer endure it. It was like becoming excruciating of, yeah, being in Athens alone is not easy, and I'm deprived from my right-hand man. But there was one thought I had here is that Paul would rather be alone mm-hmm. than worry about the Thessalonians being alone oh, uh-huh. and without spiritual support. How are they doing? They're being persecuted. They're brand-new Christians. And false teachers are showing up oh, and I saying see. terrible things about Paul. How are these people doing? Because then he goes on to say, for you yourselves know that we have been destined for this. So right. th- the we there is both um, the Apostle Paul and these Thessalonians? Yeah, all Christians know that. Uh, I mean, uh-huh. Everyone who desires to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Mm-hmm. We're all told that. If the world hated me, it's going to hate you, Jesus said Mm -hmm. in John chapter 15 and verse 18. So Christianity is something that's going to cost us something. So in verse 2, Timothy is sent. Interesting how Timothy is described. He's our brother, but he's God's minister, God's servant. He serves God in the gospel of Christ. And that's kind of cool, the idea that as a Christian, we actually work with God in doing his work. We're a... you know, one of his servants out there seeking to spread the good news. And so Timothy is a gifted and qualified representative. Mm-hmm. And here's, you might say, Timothy's purpose in showing up. A couple words here. He's to establish them. Strengthen. Yeah, strengthen. And you see that often in Acts, a church is started, and then Paul will either stay there or come back and strengthen the Christians. How so? Well, he would give like additional instruction, teaching, encouragement, spend time with them, uh, help them mature. Mm-hmm. Tell them more of what God's will, revealed will is for their lives. Mm-hmm. Yep. Just give them whatever tools they need, knowledge they need, mm-hmm. encouragement they need mm-hmm. to faithfully live the Christian life. And so established, then it says comfort could be like encouragement. You know, you're doing fine, continue to do so do some more and more, but that's all in reference to their faith. And so that that's where it all resides. Yes. Is that the concern is that, or the goal is, that we strengthen you in reference to your trust in God, that God is good, God is wise, God knows what he's doing. Well, and that's meaningful because who knows what they were going to have to sacrifice. You know, for a lot of people, it would be their means of employment. I mean, there would be their persecution where they'd have to flee maybe they've lived in an area generationally but they if they're going to stay alive they're going to have to find a different place to live and that kind of thing so you that's a powerful powerful belief in god and what he has revealed that all of those sacrifices are going to pay off in the next world so in verse three you have that and so this would be the hope for end result that no man be moved and i like that god doesn't want any loss that even one person, even one person falling away is one too many. Mm-hmm. So the value of the single individual soul, God knows not wishing for any to perish. Second Peter 3, 9. Okay, that's helping me out then to understand my, my word says do not be disturbed. So with your translation saying moved, we're talking not so much about an emotional state of mind. Right. We're talking more about being moved from your worldview, being moved, is that, you know, from your your faith is shaken so that you no longer 
believe what God says. Mm-hmm. That kind of disturbed. Correct. And yeah, I, you could see how the New American Standard picked that, like disturbed in reference to your faith, kind of like throwing off your game. Yeah. Interesting, the word was first used of dogs wagging their tail, and then came the mean to flatter, fawn upon, and therefore to deceive. And so that that's his hope, that nobody's moved away or like, led astray or that persecutions etc the false teachers none of that comes along and knocks them off knocks them off the path that they're on or or leads them astray from are you path. insinuating that when dogs wag their tails they're trying to like trick people into doing stuff it could be they're trying to trick them into petting them see? or giving them a bone see <laughs> today's reason see today's reason that we don't have a dog we are the cat people yes all right so there goes about 80 percent of our uh, listeners are like forget it you don't like dogs breaking up with you you know error can be very persuasive romans chapter 16 verse 18 a smooth uh, speech dave they deceive the hearts of the unsuspecting error can sound really really good but i think there's another danger here is that when you're suffering uh, when you're suffering you can get desperate like whatever's going to get me out of the suffering or when you're suffering you get this wrong idea that your suffering justifies you doing something okay Mm -hmm. you're in so much pain that um you're just kind of justified in saying the wrong thing doing the wrong thing one letter said people desperate for relief eagerly grab onto strategies for relief that they might recognize it's foolish in moments of more sober reflection okay so it says that they had been for you yourselves know that we have been destined for this is this like predestination what is going on no i I think the word destined or appointed here is not in the sense that these precise sufferings were meant to be or predestined rather christianity and trials often go together Uh because the world hates the message that god has brought John chapter 3, 19 through 21. Uh-huh. So suffering should not take Christians by surprise because the message of the Bible is clear. The faithful Christian will face opposition and mm-hmm. pushback. Mm-hmm. Acts chapter 14, verse 22. This is just part of the package. Gotcha. You're going to live a faithful Christian life. This is what's going to come with it. Mm-hmm. And so I like how part of the task of the teacher is to jog the memory of the listener and say, hey, hey, guys, this isn't unusual, right? We were told this was going to happen, so let's not let this trip us up mm-hmm. when, in reality, God was very clear about this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's an opportunity to kind of practice <laughs> mentally, you know, scenarios of what, how you would respond under various um kinds of persecution you know and that brings you to the next verse you know when we were with you we told you we told you beforehand you know that is we we warned you about this we told you about this we taught you about this we're going to suffer affliction and it came to pass yep and so i I like that paul did not when paul preached there paul did not promise them a life of ease Mm -hmm. Uh, he didn't cover up the true cross of living the christian life Mm -hmm. rather everything was up front and everything was out in the open and so as jesus said in luke chapter 14 26 you got to count the cost Uh, are you willing to pay the price yeah and the ironic thing is christianity lived out in some ways gives you a much better earthly life because you are not paying the consequences you know you're not in rehab you're not on antibiotics for you know who you slept with the last month you're not you know you're spared a lot and you also 
incur a lot. So it's just a huge trade-off. You know, there are blessings to it and the cross. I mean, Jesus himself does say, yes, this is a cross. Pick up your cross and follow me. So it's a trade-off, but it's also the best deal ever. Yeah, there is actually a passage in First Timothy that says, you know, that godliness not only has promise for the life to come, but promise for this life as well. Uh, there certainly have been times that God's people have been incredibly persecuted, along with other people as well. But in many places, you're right, living the Christian life also removes many problems. From so many life. problems. Yes. So we have verse 5, and that's where we kind of get back like, hey, uh, I got to this point, I just could no longer go without knowing, how are you guys doing? Mm, you know, mm-hmm. it, it just, I had to act. Mm-hmm. And so he says, well, we can no longer forbear, like, ah, I got to send Timothy. Mm-hmm. And the goal was to know the condition of their faith. Isn't that kind of interesting, Mark, that even inspired apostles were not told more than they needed to know in order to do their kingdom work? Correct. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it wasn't just like, oh... God tells me everything. So it's really, really neat there, the condition of your faith. Now, obviously, we're concerned about people's physical health and et cetera, but it wasn't like, hey, really concerned about your finances or whatever. It's like, Mm -hmm. I'm concerned about your faith because if you lose that, nothing else matters. Mm -hmm. So once again, remember the end of chapter two, devil's real. Devil had gummed up his travel plans. Okay, And here the devil is real again, lest by any means the tempter had tempted you. And our labor would have been in vain. So his concern is wasted time and effort. I mean, that's the worst, especially in eternal matters. Well, also, and along with that, like if they fell away, everything that Paul put into them Mm -hmm. is in vain in reference to them. And not only that, but if, if I can become a Christian and yet God say, all the effort put into you was in vain, that means I lose my salvation. So mm-hmm. that's just one of those verses that it doesn't make any sense unless a Christian can lose their salvation. Oh, right, exactly. And a Christian can fall away. Yep, everybody yeah. has a free will, right? I mean, no matter how much Paul would ground some in the faith, I mean, even people that were in the presence of Jesus, that was no guarantee that they would stay faithful. So... Yes, everyone has a free will, but he's doing the best he can to be of influence of these people in whom he had planted the Word of God. Yeah, and that's why he sent in Timothy. And interesting, uh, when you kind of take a look at this, Paul will talk about other people that he's concerned about. Mm -hmm. Man's eternal destiny is not written in stone, as we noted. You're not all locked in. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that's one thing. And the devil is still out there as a roaring lion tempting people. Yep. Be on guard. Be on guard. Everything's at stake, you know. Your enemy wants to, like a roaring lion, devour you. So you must master it. I mean, that's the first, even back in the garden, you must master it. The Holy Spirit does not say, well, okay, if you fell away, at least you're a Christian for a couple of years. I really like how the Holy Spirit is very upfront and honest. That is, if you fall away, no matter how long you've been a Christian, that counts for nothing in the end if you mm, fall away, mm-hmm. if you abandon your faith, if you go with Satan. It's not like, well, you fell away, but God's going to give you like half credit for that. Yeah. It's, it's, it's in vain. It's in vain. 
There have been some weird man-made teachings around, yeah, there are so many extra good deeds out there. We can tap into it like a bank account, right? That's what the whole Catholic... Indulgences. Indulgences, yeah. Like, oh, you need some of those. Good. We got them. We got you covered. Some people were really good. We've saved up. It's, yeah, that's kind of nuts. So verse six says, but now that Timothy has come to us from you and has brought us good news of your faith and love, and that you always think kindly of us longing to see us as much as we long to see you so faith and love locked together there mark as they often are here's timothy's arrival timothy comes back and it's good news it's good news it's they're faithful and they love one another mm-hmm. and those are two things that definitely needs to go to because love without faith is just sentimentality yeah and uh, faith without love can just be cold yeah and i also like he says okay Here's what Timothy told us. You guys are still faithful. You're holding to what God says. Yes. Your, your persecutions haven't made you bitter or you're not snipping at one another. You uh-huh. know, you're, you, you love one another and you're really, not only that, but you love the lost. You, you love the lost as well. Yeah. And Paul, all their memories of you are fond memories. And you know what? They want to see you too. Uh, I mean, that's a good sign, Mark, because... <laughs> You know, if you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing and you are going sideways and you're embarrassing yourself, you're not wanting the Apostle Paul to come back for another visit. Mm-hmm. So that is a very good ind- indication that, yes, they truly are walking in faith and love. And so there would be a good description of fellowship, true biblical fellowship. Paul loves God. Paul has faith in God. Paul longs for them. Mm-hmm. They have the same thing. Mm-hmm. And so obviously... You can be on the same page when you're both trusting God, obeying God, you're both loving each other. Yeah. And verse 7 says, For this reason, brethren, in all our distress and affliction, we were comforted about you through your faith, for now we really live. What do you think he means by that? Well, that's kind of interesting because not only were the Thessalonians going through trials, but this verse says, when Paul was at Athens Mm -hmm. and he's at Corinth now, He's enduring his own set of troubling circumstances. So he's got a lot of irons in the fire. Timothy's safety, the work in Corinth, other congregations, and also hostile environment in Athens. And, mm-hmm. you know, he runs into a hostile environment in Corinth as well. So he's got that on his plate. And I really like here that he says, you know what helps me make it through my troubles? is how you're handling your troubles. Mm, mm-hmm. It is often inspiring, isn't it, when we see other people dealing with what life is throwing at them in a way that's inspiring. And even on a practical level, sometimes you're like, oh, yeah, I could do that. Or I could kind of change my perspective about the difficulties that we're surrounded with. Now, Mark, I'm sorry, I'm having a brain freeze here. Is he in prison right now? No. Okay. But, I mean, in Acts chapter 18, uh, the, the, the Jewish synagogue there is going to try to put him on trial and have him arrested. Okay. And that's going to fall apart. Okay. Um, Third John 4 says, I have no greater love than to hear that you're walking in the truth. And we have the power either to bring great happiness to the life of other Christians or misery mm-hmm. by how we are living. I do love that statement. For now we live. Now you might say, well, he'd, he'd been living up to that point. He, uh-huh. you know, but I think it's the thought 
it's the way that we would talk today. Yeah. This man, is the life. Man, I'm really living. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it, it's almost like the good news brought by Timothy gave him new life. A yeah. Sense of relief, uh-huh. fresh air. Uh-huh. I can really relate to this. <laughs> so one yeah. writer said, why should your faith encourage us, do you ask? Because our life is bound up in your life. Mm-hmm. Yes. Most of my darkest days have been around concern for the souls that I had labored intensely over and they looked to be going sideways. So I can totally relate to how relieved he is to hear about these souls that are still under the favor of God. That means everything. Then we have a quick reminder. If you stand fast in the Lord. <laughs> yeah. Now this, yeah, it's yeah. not like, oh, there's good news. They're never yeah. going to ever go sideways. No. So they need to continue to remain mm-hmm. faithful as well. And a Christian has incredibly good reasons, strong reasons for holding to Christ. Absolutely. Stand fast is firm. Be, be steadfast. Be steadfast. Well, all of us are capable of doing that. Everyone has stood fast in something. Mm-hmm. We got a lot of people in the world that are very steadfast in what's wrong. Right. <laughs> Unmoved. Yeah. So Stubborn. You, you've got the ability to be steadfast, mm-hmm. but you just need to have it in the right area. Yes. Be stubborn in all the right ways. Mm-hmm. For verse 9 says, For what thanks can we render to God for you in return for all the joy with which we rejoice before our God on your account? So it's like the Thessalonians brought Paul all this happiness. Now, mm. obviously, he brought them happiness by saving them, giving them the knowledge about Jesus. But their continued faithfulness in spite of all the opposition, man, that just brought him incredible joy. And he's saying, what do I do? I mean, how do I thank God for that? Yeah. And part of it would be, man, I'm so thankful I don't have to go through this life alone. Mm-hmm. And the example of other people just brings me joy. Yeah. So when he says in verse 10, as we night and day keep praying most earnestly that we may see your face up and may complete what is lacking in your faith. What is lacking in, how can they possibly complete what is lacking in the faith of the Thessalonians? Yeah, it's interesting. Now, the word before it may perfect or to restore, equip, to complete. Okay. And then it says that which is lacking. And that's not a that's not a shot at them. That's not a negative criticism. There is a sense that there's something lacking in all our faith. That is, we are not everything that we could be at mm-hmm. this given moment. Well stated. We haven't completely fully developed. We don't know all that we need to know. And it, it's kind of like chapter four. Paul will say, okay, you've been taught to love one another. And you know what? You do it. Okay. Guess what? Do more of that. Same vein as Agreed. That. As well as they were doing, there always remained, of course, room for growth. And mm-hmm. I mean, that's part of the beauty of being human, <laughs> that you do look forward to increasing in all the good ways. So one translation has it, what needs advancement mm-hmm. in your faith? I kind of like that because mm-hmm. maybe it's just the English word lacking tends to have a like, well, if you're lacking, like that's a, someone's putting a hammer down on you. You're lacking, you know, and well, it's not that, but it's, there's areas of improvement. And so my question then is, what is it about Paul's coming to see them face to face that he can make the, he can complete what is lacking in their faith because 
in a way, it seems like only we can complete what's lacking in our faith. So what do you think he means by that? Mm, there could be a couple of things. One could be there is no substitute for face-to-face interaction. Obviously, it will be the same teaching whether he writes them a letter or he teaches them right there. But I think some of it has to be just a face-to-face interaction that is different than a long-distance relationship. They would have a chance to hug and all of that. I'm not sure if there's an element, and Paul could do this being an apostle, that he can impart to them some spiritual gifts as well. He had not been there that long. Mm -hmm. That might also be something that's kind of going on here. We know in other places that once Paul would establish a church after a period of time, then elders would be appointed in that church. Okay. Maybe that's kind of in here as well. Mm-hmm. Could but, it also be some information that's from the scriptures that they don't yet understand, and once they do understand it, then it builds their faith even more? That could be it, because remember, the New Testament has not been written yet, so Paul can't just send them a Bible, uh-huh. <laughs> a New Testament. He can write this letter, but he could teach... Well, he could teach an incredibly amount of information in person. Mm-hmm. So the things that will eventually, it's in the process of, be, this is one of the earliest epistles, Yeah, right? this is one of the earliest ones. So yeah. what would eventually be in your New Testament, these Christians don't have that in written form yet. Okay, so probably is a lot of those principles that are going to be written by those that are inspired by God in that first century. Yeah, and just like all the questions they would have mm-hmm. that he could answer there. Like new Christians have anywhere. Mm-hmm. So verse 11 is, Now may our God and Father himself and Jesus our Lord direct our way to you. I mean, he alone opens and closes doors of opportunities, right? Absolutely. And, yes. And may the Lord cause you to increase and abound in love for one another. And I know I bring this up a lot. Mm-hmm. But First Timothy 1.5, the goal of our instruction is love from a pure heart. So he's praying for that very thing. I like the word direct. It means to strengthen fully. And I th- the, the prayer is that God will make straight or level a way that Satan has cut up and you know remove the obstacles that he has thrown mm, in that path. And okay. that God definitely has the power I for that. I kind of like that Paul refused to be intimidated by Satan. Uh, when it came to evil, he was defiant. I'm not going to cave in, and I'm not going to give up. I'm going to keep calling upon God for assistance mm-hmm. in these areas. Mm-hmm. So when he prays that the Lord cause you to increase and abound in love for one another, he says, and for all people. So that's very reminiscent, isn't it, that even down to our very enemies, that we would pray that God would help us to want the best for our enemies, want them to repent so that they could be in relationship with God. That's the ultimate good that we could ask of God for our enemies. Yeah, and the very fact that Paul prays the prayer means he believes that these Christians can actually be this, mm-hmm. become this, that it's not an impossible it's not an impossible goal that we're striving after here. Mm-hmm. And I like the, uh, the idea that true love will always move us into action. We will always do something about the problem. Mm -hmm. We'll restore the fallen. We'll teach the sinner. We'll help people out. We'll put others ahead of ourselves. But love always moves Mm -hmm. in constructive ways. Mm -hmm. So for all people, just as we also do for you, this is still the love, right? Mm Mm-hmm. 
verse 13, so that he may establish your hearts without blame in holiness. We're told to be holy as God is holy, to, to clean up the inside, to get rid of the old man, to get rid of all that remains of the old life, like James 1, 21. 1 Peter chapter 2 has the same language in verses 1 and 2. Ephesians chapter 5 has the idea of there are certain things, don't even let that be named among you. Mm-hmm. And so um, no, so there's this combination of faith and trust in God, yeah. you might say doctrinal soundness, okay. along with love for Christians and love for all men, that is wanting what is spiritually best, eternally best for everyone, at the same time, a virtuous life. Mm-hmm. It's only the pure that will see God. Well, and I think only the pure remain faithful. Only the pure are honest with the text of Scripture, are honest Mm -hmm. with Jesus' teachings. Mm -hmm. And only the pure really will be able to love other people as they should. Mm -hmm. So it's like you cannot separate those things out. Absolutely. So that he may establish your hearts without blame in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. So... The prayer is that when Jesus shows up and God's people are there and all the angels show up as well in flaming fire, that the Thessalonians would be able to stand before Jesus Mm -hmm. at the final judgment Mm -hmm. in an approved condition. Mm, Thanks to the blood of the lamb, right? Yeah. All of Paul's efforts and all of their efforts and et cetera, like there's a role that all of them have to play in that. Mm -hmm. So the Thessalonians have their free will and their choices to make. Paul has his example to set and his teaching to offer, and Jesus has the blood. Mark, what does it mean, though, the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints? Well, a couple things there. We know that Jesus is going to show up with all the angels, and the word saints can equally refer to the angels. It just means holy ones. He shows up with his holy ones because there's going to be faithful people on the earth when Jesus shows up. Uh So Jesus shows up not only with all the angels, but with all the redeemed of past ages. I see. Yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful. Well, Revelation 22, 20, come quickly, Lord Jesus. I can say that at the age of 60 with a hearty amen, Mark Dunnigan. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. That would solve a lot. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But... While we're waiting for that event, keep on plugging away. Keep on plugging away and soak up the blessings of being in Christ. It's a good life, Mark. It's a wonderful life. Thanks for joining us for this conversation about 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, and we will jump straight into chapter 4. All right. God bless.